this is the education show unlocking opportunities in teaching and learning through collaboration proudly brought to you by zabuza.net and it is once again time for the education show and may i just say the first education show uh, of 2021 and uh, as much as things have changed things have stayed the same uh, but to each and every one of you may this be your best year yet and and talking about best years yet uh, somebody that i love chatting to and i'm very glad that you are our first uh, interview of 2021 from future proof sa we have the ceo lisa ellingworth how are you Oh, thank you david thanks for having me back into the show i think i'm the first repeat guest on the education show as far as I know thus far. Don't burst my bubble. Uh, it's early in 2021. I still need this bubble for the rest of the year. I'm good. Uh, it's been a challenging end of the year and a challenging start to the year and didn't come with the, the same fanfare as what a new year generally does come with. But we soldier on and we I didn't you know jump up and down for, for joy. I simply wished that it would be less eventful this year than last. Yeah, no, I also, I must be honest, I was probably in bed by about uh, eight o'clock, but that's because I had a radio show. I had to start presenting at 6 a.m. the next morning. So that, that and I'm old. I mean, those are my excuses. I'm sticking to them. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of today's uh, chat, though, Lisa. One of the things that, that we're going into, and it, I was thinking about this the other day as well, is we're about to go into the new school year the new college varsity year. Uh, and I was thinking we all sort of towards the end of last year thought it's going to be a breeze uh, and it's not. No. So, so no. what you suggested we chat a little bit about is about leadership. So let's start there. Define leadership for me. Leadership in my, in my view is having determination and focus and the ability to rally others around that goal, vision, and focus, and inspire them enough to take action towards that. And, and then, you know, leadership in itself can, can come in negative forms and positive forms both, but that there is the ability to move an individual in a, in a direction. And as teachers and as educators, we have a heavy responsibility and a beautiful privilege to lead the youth of, of our country. And it's a, it's a task that we are cognizant of, particularly in the, these times where leadership is, is highlighted either by the flaws of those around us or by the successes of those around us. Okay. That's that's actually a very, very good description of, of leadership. Why leadership now? Why, as we go into 2021, would you say leadership is so important? Because I believe it is. I think in our educational institutions, whether it be a college varsity, a school, you know, a place of higher learning, that we are setting a precedent now for the kinds of leaders that we want to develop in the future by the example that we produce and um, there's a beautiful quote, I think it was Oprah Winfrey, that said, you can't be what you can't see. And so setting now an example that will be modeled by future leaders is incredibly important. And the fact that kids are spending the majority of their times in classrooms with educators, it, it's, it's us that they see. It's us that they are going to model. So strong 
leadership, healthy leadership, um, emotionally aware leaders are, are what is being called for in, in such uncertain times. Plus the value of having a, a strong leader as a teacher or as a school leader or, or an, an institutional leader is that there's consistency and a certain amount of stability created. And once you've got consistency and stability, then learning is supported. Most of us don't learn in environments that are unstable, particularly those that are unstable created by weak leadership. So strong leadership in our classrooms and in our institutions is going to set a precedent for what kids are going to be able to see and model against, but it's also going to give them the safe space in which they can learn. Fantastic stuff. Now, when you talk leadership and we're talking strong leadership, as you were discussing this, I was thinking about uh, something that Richard Branson once said, you know, that it's not about customer service uh, as much as it's about your employee service and looking after your employees. And largely, I've come across a bunch of people since I've been doing this show where it seems that they are not being taken care of. Now, this does speak to a strong leadership, doesn't it? Well, genuine care in a healthy leadership model is vital. It's paramount. If you don't genuinely care about the people that you are leading, you can set vision, you can set mission, you can set goal, you can set pace, you can motivate. But in the end, if you don't genuinely care, you're going to be the next person with the whip. And that's the only way that you're going to get people to follow. But when people understand that you genuinely care about their interests and about their growth and their development, then the, they are inspired to, to be your, your followers. And your leadership doesn't have to be enacted by a title or, or a whip or, or dire consequences for not following instructions. Now, it has struck me, and, and I'm, maybe I'm allowed to go out on a limb because I'm not directly involved in the educational process, but there, there's very much a, a, a sort of a feeling I get that uh, a lot of people say, well, why should we change? Why should we do anything differently? It's been done like this forever, um, and, and it seems to me a very patriarchal kind of way of looking at things. Is that a sweeping statement, or am I onto something here? Well, I think any sweeping statement or stereotype has um, its base is founded in enough evidence to support it. So, so I'm going to go with you on this one. And, and it is very patriarchal. And typically, education institutions are developed around a very simplistic model of understanding, of comprehension, and of leadership. Uh, a equals B. Uh, therefore, you know, A plus B equals C. And you, you follow, you know, the, the steps. A just normal, logical, rational. But the world in which our leaders, our educational leaders, teachers, and those leading schools are in the moment is not characterized by simple, rational, logical formulas anymore. Um, and I think you'll agree with me here that the world that we currently face and have to educate our learners for is very chaotic, incredibly chaotic, that things are changing almost moment by moment. And the skill set that we had in a simple environment and the leadership tools that we had in a simple environment no longer serve a chaotic environment. And so we have to ditch the patriarchal, ditch the systematized kinds of leadership, and we have to start exploring different models for how do we as teachers, educators, and school leaders 
lead our institutions in a world that is now chaotic? And how do we model a kind of leadership that is sustainable in this kind of chaos? Hey, now, somebody's listening to the show and they're involved in the education sphere. Where, where does one begin with, with leadership? Because let's assume I'm, I'm a, a headmaster of a school yeah. and I've been taught a certain way and that's the way it's always been done. And mm-hmm. I see absolutely no reason to change it. But listening to, to, to you speak now, I'm thinking, okay, maybe, maybe I need to. Where do I start? Where do we start with this? So I'm going to postulate just for a second, I know that's our big word for today, I'm going to postulate just for a second that that there are frameworks of leadership out there that can be the starting point for what, what we need to do. And this is not me standing on my soapbox, you know, trying to convince you of some kind of pseudo pop psychology. This is based in Uh, what was written by Dave Snowden. Now, Dave Snowden was one of the founding members of IBM Computers, and he he is um, a sociologist. I would I would hazard a guess to say sociologist. I don't think he likes to be categorized as that. But looking at the the ways and means of understanding the world and the frameworks that we can place on the world, and then how do we take the influences that are coming from the world and those frameworks and interpret them and then be able to communicate them effectively in order to lead. So his model was beautiful. It's called the, it's it's a Norwegian word. (laughs) So it's called the Kinefin model. So C-Y-N-E-F-I-N. And the Kinefin model was developed in order to understand decisions that need to be taken in different environments. Um, So if, if you'll allow me, I'd like to take our listeners through the Kneffen model and, and how it applies in, in an educational environment. Happy with that? Absolutely. That, that, in fact, was going to be my next question is just how. Show me the how. Show you the how. Okay. So Dave Snowden, um, obviously being a, a corporate guru, he actually did a beautiful TED Talk. And if you've got the time, go and check it out. And he's... He's very dry. His sense of humor is so dry that you wonder sometimes if he's if he's actually you know being serious. But he does a TED talk on how to organize a children's party, and and as we know, and as teachers we know that you give children sugar, and the immediate effect thereafter is chaos ensues, and somebody loses the plot along the way. It's usually the teacher. So we often do the children's parties on a Friday at the end of the day, just before we send them home to their parents to deal with. But the the Kinefin model and framework gives us how to to order chaos or how to understand our environment. And I I would say that about 20 years ago, you as an educator, I think it was an educator about 15 years ago, is that schools were very ordered, they were very rigid, and they were very framework driven. There were formulas that you followed where, you know, it was a timetable where you went, you arrived at a specific time, you followed the timetables. And, you know, on a Friday, there was an assembly or a gathering. And there was very formula driven. It was very structured. And we followed all of this as per the bell that went during the day in order to signify these things. These are structured, simple, obvious approaches. And in an environment like this, you have what emerges best practice. 
So you would have had the guide to, you know, running a school or the guide to teaching English effectively or whatever it was. It was best practice. And you followed that, that best practice in order to get good results. And if you did those things, the, the results were almost guaranteed. Now that's that shifted entirely because that best practice no longer suits the world outside of the classroom. And for as try as we might as educators, we actually cannot separate out the learning environment from the real life environment. So we need to adapt our teaching and our leadership methods in the classroom in order to suit this. So Dave Snowden's first little block was around this conceptual framework of simple, of obvious, of formula driven with predictable outcomes. And that's rapidly changed. And it went from an obvious scenario into complicated. Now, this is not your relationship status update on Facebook, Dave. This is something <laughs> entirely different. <laughs> My relationship <The> <laughs> status is very stable, I'll have you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's with some animals, apparently. <laughs> so I stalk you on a regular basis. Um, complicated is, is such that there are governing constraints around this but it is it's still tightly controlled. So this is where you're going to get a level of expertise, a subject matter expertise, where it's English or science or accounting. Uh, teachers revel in the complicated because they feel purposeful in the complicated. They can take the complicated and they can unpack it and they can teach it in a way that is simple and understandable to their learners. So this is not the realm of best practice. This is the realm of good practice. And there are various uh, avenues of good practice. What good practice in Limpopo to teach English might be different to that in the Western Cape. So it's, yes, it's still tightly controlled. It requires a level of expertise. It is complicated, but there are certain guidelines that inform good practice. Okay, so generally at your higher grades, your grades 10s, 11s, and 12s, when you start to specialize in your subject areas, the area of complicated comes in and you've removed yourself from the simple. Now, that's all fine and well, but what if you throw in a little bit of disorder into this? Uh, come along, you know, uh, a coronavirus, for instance. And here we enter into the world of complex. Now, I didn't know the difference, and I don't, Dave, I don't know if you do understand the difference between complex and complicated. The radio presenter's side of me would like to say, of course I do. Uh, the honest side of me would say, no, I'm confused. <laughs> I didn't either. So, so the ra I don't have a radio presenter side of me anymore. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> So I'm just going to go with straight honesty. I didn't know this either. But... The movement from complex into complicated is such that there is no predictable outcome. So a complicated scenario means that, yes, you can still add a level of expertise into it, whether it be accountancy and you've got your formulas in, in high-grade math, all of that, you still are going to be able to predict the outcome. Complex is when you enable some constraints and you add a stimulus to an ecosystem or to constraints, and you get a similar set of outputs, but they're never going to be the same every single time. So let's say if we baked 
um, together, Dave, and we made, um, what do you like, hot cross buns. That's what you get when you pour hot water down a, a rabbit hole, hot cross bunny. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to make some hot crisp buns, you and me, and we've got that recipe that was in your grandmother's cookbook, and it was falling apart, and we peeled it out, and we cooked against that recipe, the, baked the hot crisp buns every single time against that recipe. Yes, it was complicated because you had to add the yeast, and it was an order in which it had to happen, but the predictable outcome was that the hot crisp buns were delicious every single time. Now, we're going to change it into complex, and we're going to say, cool, we're going to take this loose set of practices around yeast raising and that kind of thing. But we're going to take out the cinnamon and we're going to throw in a bit of orange zest and see what happens. And we don't know what's going to happen because it's mm. not predictable. So I was just so, trying to figure out how that would work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in your head, you were picturing orange buns. So uh -huh. we, we, <laughs> and there was some salivating happening as well. <laughs> so we're throwing in a set of, of stimulus into an environment. We're seeing how the environment reacts. Then we're getting an output. Now, in a complex environment, we need to put in a bunch of stimulus. And if the stimulus results in a positive outcome, we increase the stimulus to get a more positive outcome. And if we don't like the outcome, we decrease and or dampen the stimulus, and then we get a less or a, a, you know a decreased negative output. So those that's the the complex environment. But there isn't best practice. There isn't good practice. There is a set of assumption testing that happens in this environment. Now. I mean, I come from the world of entrepreneurship education. And now, Dave, I think you can start to see the link between what happens in entrepreneurship and how to start a business and the complex environment. You don't have best practice. If you're starting a business, you've got some idea of what should be done. You add the stimulus to the environment, you see what happens. If it's a positive outcome, you increase it. If it's a negative outcome, you decrease it or you stop doing it. And that's this, the complex world that, that we started off with at the beginning of, of last year. And, and that complex world has now moved, not just from the simple to the complicated. Did I lose you for a second? It, it got so complicated that you lost it. It got very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to take you back from complicated into complex. Corona came along, we were, we, it was complex, our education environments were difficult, but we moved very, very quickly into chaotic. And chaos is characterized by a lack of constraint. There's no constraints in this environment. The goalposts move regularly. There is no best practice. We have to come up with novel and innovative ways of dealing with this environment. There are very few patterns. There hasn't been enough time in order to establish the patterns or find the breadcrumbs. And we are stuck in this, in this domain or this habitat of chaos. Is any of this sounding familiar? Absolutely. Sounds, sounds, sounds very familiar. Sounds like my average daily life. Right. And it is our average daily life and it is our average daily classroom as well. So simple leadership techniques and the leader's role in the simple doesn't apply now in the chaotic. 
And so teachers have to be equipped and, and school leaders have to be equipped with a new set of skills in order to lead as well as to create environments by which are, that are safe and, and conducive to learning and to growth. And so this is where the model, the Kynafin model of Dave Snowden's gives some guidelines in order to help educators deal with chaos and chaotic environments. Okay. All right. This, this, this makes sense, but it, it still leaves a bunch of questions because, you know, so often, and, and the question I would like to put to you is then, in terms of this model, in terms of the chaos that we are currently living in, where does the buck stop? The buck stops with the person that has uh, or is going to suffer the consequences of the actions. <laughs> does that make sense or is that very philosophical? No, no, no. It's, it's, it, it does make sense. Philosophical indeed, but it does make sense because, you know, I, I, there, there are times when people go, and, and I've seen it many, many times, um, and particularly in corporate uh, structures, it's like, not my problem. I'm just doing what I was told to do. You know, and so that idea of it's not my problem goes up and up and up until it reaches the top. And they, they the, the people at the top go, well, why should it be my problem? I told you what to do. Yeah, this is it. And it just becomes this backwards and forwards passing of responsibilities. But if the consequences, if you're going to suffer the consequences at the hand of the action that you are dealt, then you are the person responsible. And if in a classroom I have... 30 learners that are sitting in front of me that aren't able to learn because their minds are chaotic, distracted, and full of fear, I am the person that's going to suffer the consequences of the poor results as the educator. Yep, fair enough, fair enough. The buck now, stops with me. Now, in terms of in terms of this leadership model, though, um, we've mm. spoken about about you know, to me, what seems like a very top down model at this stage, uh, but but true leadership doesn't have to do with a title or a designation, does it? Of course not, and that's that's it's an interesting phenomenon that happens typically within schools, because you'll find that leaders will emerge because they have. Followers. That's what a leader is. Now, we've seen teachers, we've seen students become leaders that necessarily weren't designated by a title as a school counselor, prefect in the old days, or if they were head of department. It's because they have the ability to move other individuals with them in a direction and it could be a positive direction and it could be a negative direction and this is primarily one of the reasons why I, I make a fantastic educator and make a terrible teacher is because as a leader I have the ability to move people in, uh, in a direction and when I was a teacher I was able to move students and some of the staffing body uh, into questioning the hierarchy within the schooling system, <laughs> which of course did not go down well, particularly in what we were describing as a simple formula-driven environment. Mm. Have you listened to any of the education show podcasts with Yen Verhoeven, Dr. Yen She's Verhoeven. wonderful. She is wonderful. So, so yeah, she's she's very much for the the the, the teacher as revolutionary. So, um, as the rebel, yes. I, I don't think this is a bad thing at all. But 
So let's let's take for example because I know that listeners to the show are, are from across the board. So you don't have to be given a given a title to to assume a leadership role, but you can as a student. You can inst- you can inspire. Um, I don't. I'm, 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 my jury's still out on motivation because motivation. I can go and get a bunch of people to go rah rah yay yay for one day, and the next day they go back to their same old habits. Mm. That's motivation. Uh, in, you know, if you inspire somebody, that's that's long term stuff. Uh, is it something that that people from across the board and from students upwards should be looking at? So absolutely, and particularly when you are faced with chaos, which is which is where we sit at the moment. And I'm going to give you some tools that the leaders, whether it be students, whether it be title-based, whether it be organically based in an environmental ecosystem where you find yourself emerging as a leader, there are some things that you can work on and improve on. Uh, even just in front of a classroom, in order to become a better leader within chaos. And the first thing uh, is is interesting enough is be quick to take action. In a simple environment, you have the luxury of time, as you can stand back and you can observe and you can take in and you can gather data. In chaos, you need to take action. So act, take action, observe the response to your action and then respond in an equal amount of time so that you've got this quick act, observe, response cycle happening all of the time. Because the world moving at such an exorbitant pace, your decision-making capabilities need to move at the same pace. So act, observe, and respond in the same manner. Um, The other thing is look for what works in your classroom and in your school instead of looking for what is best practice. Because best practice is what is applied when things are predictable, but it's not predictable. So observe what works instead of going, well, this is not the way it should be done. I mean, people are just shitting all over the place at the moment and it's not working. No, there's just piles of shoulds all over the place. All over it, exactly that. So let's look for what works instead of what following best practice. Okay, um, that makes sense. I mean, just in terms of, of common sense, and as, as my mentor always used to say, the problem with common sense <laughs> is it's not very common, uh, but it does make <laughs> sense. It does make sense. Okay, so take immediate action, preserve life, preserve property, preserve what's important, preserve the threads of the things that are are standing out as important. You know, don't sweat the small stuff, let it go. Uh, I want to break out into some kind of, you know, Disney movie track there, but but be able to let things go and move quickly. Develop that muscle of emotional dexterity where you're able to enjoy the highs and let them go and not suffer the lows, let them go as well. So that bond of emotional dexterity let it go. Um, And then rather have um, clear, direct communication often, and I can't emphasize that enough, often, because things are going to change. The only thing that is going to be predictable is change. So clear, concise, and, and communication often to those people around you is going to give them the needed stability and the needed consistency 
that you have thought about things that you have planned and that whatever is in your control, you are controlling. And that gives people the freedom and the safety in order to, to learn in particular. Um, so provide clear, direct, focused communication often to those uh, under, your, under your leadership. And, and those are the things that can be happening you know, in a classroom, at home, they can be in a workplace, they can be in the staff room. And, and for school leaders, I would, I would steer away necessarily from looking to your leadership team because they've just been leaders before. You know, they've got the title of grade head or they've got the title of, of deputy principal. In chaos, your leaders will emerge because they have got different skill sets. They don't have to follow best practice and enact formulas anymore. These are the people that have got organic leadership capabilities to uh, inspire and to, ah, okay, so we're not going to use the word motivate, but I would say, um, I, I'm trying to find a different word for motivate. I would, I would say that they would cajole people into taking action. Okay. That's good. That's good. That's good. Oh, well, you know, motivation <laughs> works. We all need a little bit of fluff and bubblegum every now and again. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the inspirational side of it to me uh, is, is what is, is way more important because uh, – and, and something I think it break, we can break it down to, to the very basics is as human beings, we do – we look to people that we can aspire to be like people that that bring out the best in us there's another look yeah. there's another way of, of saying oh. uh, motivate you know bring out the best in somebody there we go and i think one of the, the not just bring out the best in us but bring out the best in a situation now leaders typically that thrive in chaos and sustain their leadership positions from chaos back into complex is because they can start to provide order. Uh, we like order because order reduces fear. Fear-based responses because it's, it's the unknown. As soon as you have a leader who is able to understand the breadcrumbs, to see the patterns, and then to be able to regulate the patterns such that you can regulate the output. Remember going from chaotic back into complex where you're given a set of stimulus and you're able to order the environment such that you are able to create a set of outputs that are positive that's where your leader is going to thrive and sustain because they are able to take the the breadcrumbs or the patterns they're able to see them they're able to communicate them effectively to those that are, they are following them they are able to enact not what is best practice because that's what we've always done and this is what we should do. It's looking at our environment saying what's best for our school, what's best for our environment, what do we need to do in order to preserve our sanity, mental and, and emotional well-being through this time. We're going to do those things. Why? Because the pattern of behavior that we have created is giving our staff and our parents and our children a positive mental and emotional output. And those leaders are the ones that are going to survive in chaotic environments. So we need to be working that leadership muscle, uh, whether you are a student, um, a prefect, as you said, and so on and so forth, all the way up the totem pole. But you're right. And, and uh, you know, we, we're getting to, to the stage where we, we're going to start wrapping up now. But if we distill 
some nuggets of information out of our discussion so far. You touched on something at the very beginning of our talk, and I, I think it's vitally important now, is this, this idea of compassion and of empathy and communication. So, so what would you say is a takeaway? Somebody said they've listened to us and they've gone, yeah, we agree. What are the takeaways for, for all of us? Because this is something I think that needs to change as well. We, we can no longer as parents go, well, there you go, kiddies, off you go. You go to school, have a good time. Now you're somebody else's problem. I think for us to navigate these waters, it has to be a collaborative thing. Absolutely. So the takeaways, the key takeaways for me are um, the first thing is just because it's been done before and it's worked before uh, doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work in this environment and that parents, teachers, students should be prepared to toss away some of their traditional approaches in order to cope with uncertain times and uncertain outputs. So chuck the timetable away, um, sit down, listen, listen to the kids, listen to where they're at, deal with their emotional states first in order to create safe environments for them to learn. Um, you know, understand what they're dealing with at home if there's a loss of a loved one or if one of the teachers has passed away. And this is a real this is real and it's real for me. One of my old educators who was she's still teaching at the high school that I went to passed away. She died from COVID-19 last week. And and that environment is now not safe anymore and learning doesn't happen there. So deal with what is at hand. Communicate often. Listen to what's not being said. Listen to what's being discussed at break time or, you know, before school. Have, have trusted relationships with your peers, with the parents, so that those lines of communication are open. And, I mean, teachers are sticklers for keeping boundaries in place. This is not the time to adhere to boundaries of communication. Oh, you can't contact me after hours. Oh, you can't contact me over the weekend. Drop those boundaries because we are all dealing with a chaotic environment that is not predictable. And if someone's teacher passes away and the student arrives at school on Monday and the, the familiar face that created the safe environment is not there anymore, that child cannot learn. So be able to have those, strip those boundaries away because they don't serve the purpose anymore. Have the ability to communicate effectively, often and focused with your peers, with your parents, with your students, as well as with the school management teams in order to ensure that you're not missing a beat because this rate of change is, is so quick. Um, and I hope I haven't complicated it further. <laughs> not in the slightest, not in the slightest. No, I was just thinking, you know, and, and I think it's a great way uh, to, to wrap it up in, in terms of what you've said. And it, it got me thinking about the similarities between entrepreneurship, education, what's happening in the world. And I'll never forget my mentor um, one day called me aside and he said to me, would you like to know the ultimate success formula? And I was like, wow the ultimate success formula. Tell me more. He goes, if you practice and implement this, you cannot help but be successful. So I sat down and I was waiting to take copious amounts of notes. And he looked at me and he said, it's really quite simple. Stop, look, correct, act. And I went, what? 
There's got to be more. Yeah. Can't be that. And yet that is an incredible framework to work around in terms of what we've been discussing. Stop. Mm. Look. What's working? What's not working? Fix that and then act and then repeat. You know, and, and I think in, in terms of navigating these waters, that's advice that was given to me, which can be just as sound in our current uh, circumstances. Absolutely. And I think that's why your entrepreneurial kids, your entrepreneurial teachers, your entrepreneurial parents are thriving. Because why? We're comfortable with chaos. We understand chaos. We're, we're, our muscles to tolerate chaos are there. We've had to do it from you know the moment that's, that we realized that we were an entrepreneur and sometimes even before that. And all we then do is we look for the patterns and we find ways of ordering the chaos enough to create value for others. And that's a skill now that's being put to test, not just by those who have entrepreneurial brains, but those that are, are just trying to survive in this world. Absolutely. As we wrap up, Lisa Illingworth, CEO of Future Proof South Africa, in these chaotic times, where is Future Proof? What is, what is happening with you guys? Uh, are you still uh, steaming forward? You're still offering what you've always offered? You're going more online? What's happening with you? Uh, uh, Future Proof is, is um, coping with the chaos as we tend to do, you know, absorbing it in our stride. We're still working with schools we've shifted our approaches somewhat so that there's a hybrid method to what we're doing we are getting kids orientated to entrepreneurship online we're doing coaching sessions with smaller groups at schools in order to get them up to speed and then we're reorientating them back online with activities and online coaching sessions in order to keep that development and keep the engagement going. So we're doing that. We're working a lot with uh, CETAs in order to grow the youth portions of entrepreneurship development in the country. And we're obviously um, working now with some overseas markets. I, I was hoping for a trip to Spain. <laughs> Up until a little announcement not so long ago that borders were closed. So we're going to have to put that on the back burner a little bit. But Future Proof is certainly expanding into some overseas markets as well. Wonderful stuff. Lisa, if somebody wants to get hold of Future Proof, is the website the best place to go to? Absolutely, www.futureproofsa.com. You can reach us there. Or if you've got an email inquiry and you want to speak to somebody, start at futureproofsa.com. Otherwise, we're all over the socials at Future Proof Education on Facebook and then Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn at Future Proof SA. And if you want to get in touch with me, LinkedIn's always the best place, Lisa Ellingworth. Fantastic stuff. My favorite Batman. We wish you all the very, very best for 2021. I know we're going to talk to you again because, uh, well, you just make sense. And that's what we need in this chaotic world at the moment. So thank you for taking the time out to, to have a chat to us. And uh, if you are listening, get hold of the gang at Future Proof. Uh, they're always there, always happy to support. Thank you, Lisa Ellingworth. It was a great pleasure having you here with us. And uh, to each and every one of you out there. Thank you for listening. That was The Education Show. Simply learn. Join the conversation on zibuza.net. That's Z-I-B-U-Z-A dot net.